0: Less than half of many people here uh, than usual. But we're all guarding our hearts. we often fail to hear or mishear what's being said to us. And Lord, there's every possibility that we'll fail to hear or mishear what you might want to say to us, and that that might happen here this morning. So we pray that you'd come by your spirit and give us good ears and an open heart that we might really understand you and long to, to walk in your ways. So come and help us to pray as we spend a few words in This morning I'd like to talk about what we should pray for our friends. So that's It'd be hard to know what to pray for the people dear to us. Do we pray that God will make them beautiful and wealthy and successful and comfortable and endlessly happy? Is that what we ought to be praying for our friends? Do we pray for them that their team will do well in the World Cup? What do we pray for our friends? Last week, Colin started a, a series for us, uh, which is going to run during the summertime called Praying with Paul. And we're going to be looking at some of Paul's prayers and trying to, to learn from him how to pray. And we looked at the opening ten verses, actually, of, of this same passage, 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, and we saw a two part framework for how Paul prays. Uh, we noticed, first of all, that he thanks God. For his grace at work in the lives of the people around him and then he expresses his confidence uh, that god's going to make everything all right in the end so what next once we thanked god for our friends once we've expressed uh, confidence that he holds our future what should we pray for him? well it's in verses 11 and 12 just the last two verses of our passage that we get a sense of what Paul actually prays for his friends. He prays two things for them. Then he tells them why he's praying along these lines. And finally, he tells them how he expects these prayers to be heard. So that's what we're going to be looking at this morning. Three different uh, aspects to this uh, short prayer. What to pray, why to pray it, and how our prayers can be heard. So what do we pray? If you look at verse 11, Paul tells the believers in Thessalonica that he and and Timothy constantly pray for you that our God may count you worthy of his calling. That's the first thing that Paul wants for these days is that they will be worthy of their calling. What does that mean? Well, these people Paul's talking to are people who have already responded to God's grace extended to them in Jesus Christ. This is a Christian community that he's writing to. These are people who are saved, who belong to God, who are one of, one of his. So whenever Paul says, we're praying for you, you're going to be worthy of your calling, he doesn't mean, that he's praying for them that will be somehow good enough to be acceptable to God. Because God's already accepted them. He's already, in his grace, welcomed them. So what what Paul is praying for when he says he's praying that they'll be worthy of God's calling is that they'll become the kind of people whom God has already treated them as God's treating them as perfect in Jesus and Paul's praying that actually start to, to become those kind of beautiful people. It's a brilliant prayer. And there's no better prayer that we could be praying for each other. Whenever we pray this prayer, we're basically asking God to, to make our friend's life, all that it could and should be. Because my calling and yours, and the calling of every human being, is to live in a way that shows God's glory. That's our calling. That's why we're here. That's what I was created for, and you, and that's what we've been saved for. This is what we're all about story. And when we pray this prayer, then we're praying that God will make me into a Christophe, or a Hillary into a Hillary, or a Robbie into the Robbie, that he always dreamt that we could be. The best that we could ever be. His His dream, his design, and us for course fulfilled. I love the way the, the sprinter Eric Little, the guy who was immortalized in from of Safari, talks uh, about, uh, about this. He says, I believe that God made me for a purpose, but he also made me fast. And when I run, I feel his pleasure. He sees his whole life, even his running, as part of God's purpose. for our kids that they'll pass the exams that they'll get a good job that they'll be happy aren't those the things that we prioritize in our prayers rather than this to be worthy of our calling there's a second really that Paul prays for the, his friends in the he tells them that he's asking God to fulfill every good purpose of yours and every act Prompted by your fear. That is amazing. To fulfill every purpose of yours. Make sure you don't mess up. Paul's praying for these guys that they will succeed. Quite literally that their dreams will come true. Now, how can you do that? How could the apostle Paul gospel-centered, Christ-focused leader. How can you pray this kind of a prayer for people to give them success to make their dreams come true? Well, it's to do with the nature of their, their plans and their dreams. You see, the second part of Paul's prayer here presupposes the first. It's people who are beginning to live a life worthy of of God's calling they then start to dream the kind of dreams and make the kind of plans that God longs to fulfill it's whatever we leave behind our our selfish and shriveled dreams, the ones that the advertisers have peddled to us the ones about being beautiful and wealthy and successful and comfortable and honestly happy it's so when we leave those behind that a, uh, a new set of dreams begin to take their place. And these dreams begin to affect what we want to do with our lives, the plans that we make. One of us is asking, what's the next step I could take to share my faith with that mother and get her to go to school That's becoming a preoccupation. I one's wondering, how can I be more open about my faith in my workplace so that my colleagues might come to know Jesus? starting to have that ticking over in my mind. Every one of us is engaged in the question, how can I play my part in the church family passing on the faith that I have to our children and our young people? Every one of us is asking that because we're starting to dream the dream. We're coming to church and the discipleship we're no longer saying, What am I going to get out of this? I hope this proves to be worth my while. And instead we're saying, I wonder what I can bring in this. How do you address somebody in the group? Who's going to meet God's touch this evening? Imagine if we were that kind of church where people were dreaming that kind of dreams, maybe those kind of plans, then they'd be able to pray this, this incredible prayer of Paul's great confidence. Lord, fulfill every good purpose. His prayer, what's he got in mind? What's his end or purpose or desire? he tells us in verse 12 he's praying what he's praying so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you and I. While Paul's praying for his friends in Thessalonica, and it clearly is, he's got a goal beyond even. His dear friends, and that's Jesus, Jesus' glory. He wants these brothers and sisters in that city to live so that God, His Son, Jesus Christ, will be seen to be beautiful. Living so that Jesus will be seen to be beautiful. It's it's so easy to get this wrong, even even here in church. You would think, wouldn't you, that whenever people gather in a place like this where it's all explicitly about worshiping God, that there wouldn't be any great danger here. But I'm just wondering whether it's possible to do ministry in church and for it to all be good many. You know, maybe to serve in, in an organization, some ministry in the church to lead services or to preach, to visit sick people, to serve as an elder. I just wonder if it's possible to do these things and and it's still about me. I'm waiting for the moment when the the, the gratitude will flow back to me, when the recognition will come back to me. I want people to notice how talented I am or how kind I am or how spiritual. It looks like it's service to God but but often it can end up exercising self-promotion. And it's too it's not only possible for that to happen for us individually but for us collectively as a community. We've been celebrating our centenary here. We've been giving thanks to God for all that he's done here this last hundred years. We need to be careful that that doesn't cross a line into some sort of a celebration of who we are. Paul recognizes this problem and he keeps a really clean focus. He says, we pray this not so that people in East Belfast might think that they're remarkable Christians or the people throughout the Presbyterian Church in Ireland might have heard of Kirkpatrick Memorial. We'll no. We pray this so that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you. He develops this in a interesting way me Terempathites of Christ, if you read all, he prays for the Thessalonians that the name of Jesus will be glorified in them. And they in him? Paul wants the Christians in Thessalonica to be glorified. in Jesus Christ. What nice <laughs> about be? Well, the truth is that whenever people live for God's glory, uh, whenever they're living worthy of their calling, they do become beautiful and eye-catching people and communities. You see, the truth is, whatever you worship, you become like Once said, the glory of God is man fully alive. It's quite stunning. Though we are weak and sinful, though we're broken to pieces, God and his, his mercy wants to restore his image in us. He wants us once more to show his beauty to the world. In 2 Corinthians, Paul talks about God's glory in a humble human being. He talks about that. He describes it in these terms. He says, we have this treasure in jars of clay. God's beauty, God's presence, jars of clay. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us to carry his glory. He wants us to be glory, carriers, so that the world can see his beauty and give glory back to him. We notice what Paul wants to pray for his friends, so that they be worthy of the calling, and could succeed in their plans to for God's glory. We've seen secondly why he prays along these lines. It's, it's sort of more and more glory flows through them to Jesus Christ. Our final question this point is the how to question. How can ordinary Christians, everyday people like us, ever live worthy of our calling? How can we give? How can we be people who, who draw glory to Jesus Christ by how we live? The answer it, I think comes in final uh, words of our prayer, of Paul's prayer. All of this is possible only according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've grown up in a church like this or if you've been around uh, this church for a while, you'll know about the absolutely fundamental place of, of God's grace in our lives. We're mindful probably repeat often Paul's words to the Ephesians, it is by grace that you've been saved through faith. While we're still God's enemies, lost in our sin and far from Him, He reaches out and He rescues us. And He welcomes us. It's by grace that we've been saved. That a good number of us are clear about the role of God's grace in our salvation. We know how absolutely fundamental it is. But I wonder if we're as clear about the role of God's grace in our ongoing Christian life. I have to say, I was less clear about that until uh, I heard some teaching and that it was galluswell. A conference he taught nearby here just in Illinois a few years ago who he helped me grasp this. He pointed out that the vast majority of New Testament references to grace are not to do with salvation. They're not to do with an initial moment of adoption into the family of God. They're to do with God's So we're not only saved by grace, we live every moment of every day by grace. It's by God's grace that we learn to live a new life and it's by God's grace that over time we're finally made new. As he talked on this subject, uh, Willard I left with subject, an image in my head that I've never forgotten, he said, um, we tend to think of God's grace as a gift that is given to us. One of them, we receive it. It's that day that's in the front of our Bible uh, when we became a Christian and giver. That's the day we received God's grace. He said no. <clears throat> think of yourself more like a, a combustion deeply his renewing is going to happen in you, that you'll be, you'll be going to him often and in desperation for more of his grace. Have a vision for the things that he's going to do through you that terrifies you so that you have to keep going back for more and more of his grace. Be a jumble jet. Burn, burn, and burn the grace of God. Rather than to say I was saved by grace that, that, that's that that's among God's grace we're saying I have been saved by grace and it's by God's grace that I'm living more and more and more for his glory if we're ever going to be worthy of our calling we're going to need more and more of God's ongoing grace so why do we pray for our friends or what? Sorry, what should we pray for, friends? That will be worthy of God's calling, and that He'll be able to work His purposes out for me. Why do we pray that? So that Jesus is seen more in our homes and workplaces and neighborhoods. And how does all this come about? Only by God's grace. We have no chance without God's help actually if you think about it the reliance on God that we're finishing with has actually overarched everything that we've said here today we can't be anything in God's purposes up outside of his grace Paul knows that he knows that his friends in Thessalonica weren't good enough or strong enough or disciplined enough to, to be worthy of God's calling on our that's why he prays. Everything profames me all the to pray. It's all sort of. We're nice, respectable people. But if we have a growing sense of Would we fall of the glory of God. And, and how rich our lives would be if we were glory-sharing people. We'd be praying and praying and praying. All those of his pastors, friends would pull up their socks and try harder. He asks God to do a transforming miracle in their lives. He knows it's all God's good. why we pray for our friends the people sitting in the, the pews with us here today the people in our disciples why not we pray that we'll be worthy of a calling individually and collectively that he'll give us success when we make godly plans for his glory and that he'll you bring more and more glory. You do more and more and enhance the reputation of Jesus. Here in the Bathmore, through Belfast, and wherever else he's in this. celebrate To be more like your son Jesus. Make this the longing of our community together. or make this the passion for those of us who are parents, for our children. Not that they succeed by some standard, but that they, they become more like Jesus and show his beauty in the world. Lord, we pray today and we ask you to help us to, to learn from this day on to pray that you would make us worthy of our calling. Let that be a new passion for us because we've met with you in your word today. Amen.